Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Adam Klickfeld. So I decided to focus on an interesting um, halachic tidbit in the uh, traditional sources on Sukkot to bring us to an interesting thing to be thinking about on the holiday. So, uh, the first source, the tour. The tour, Rabbi Yaakov and Asher, 13th, 14th century uh, France and Spain. He is the author of the book called the Arba Turim, the Four Columns, the structure of which is the foundation um, for the Shulchan Aruch. Uh, and look what he says regarding Sukkot. And what I want you to think about to try to anticipate the next text is, if you're a commentator on the tour, what is your primary question on this material? What's your primary question if you're a halachic commentary on the halachic work, the Jewish legal work, the tour? What's your primary question on what the tour is saying here? So he quotes the verse from Leviticus Vayikra, which we read on the first two days of Sukkot. Basukot shivat yamim. You should sit in the booth seven days. Laman yedu so that the generations will know ki basukot hoshavti b'nei Israel that I God placed them in Sukkot b'hotzi otam etc. When I took them out of Egypt. Okay, that's a quote from the Torah. Look what the Torah says. Talah hakatuv mitzvat sukkah b'etziat mitzrayim. The verse links the mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah with leaving Egypt. V'chein and also, lots of other mitzvot are connected to leaving Egypt. Not a surprise. Because it's something that we or our ancestors saw. We heard it. We're witnesses. No one can deny it, although many try to. This is the event in history that in instructs on the truth of the reality of the Creator. Yit Allah, may God's name be made great. Shehu baraha who created everything according to God's own will. This is the one who has the power and the authority and the ability in the upper realms. And also down here, to do exactly what God wants to do. There's no one who can tell God what to do. No one can impose God's will upon God. Just as was shown when God took us out of Egypt against um, Pharaoh's will. Uh, turn the page a little bit or go to the next page. Um, starting with the top line on the next page, even though we left Egypt in the month of Nisan in the spring, he, asks, he anticipates a question and answers it. Listen, if this is all to commemorate what was happening to us when we left Egypt, why isn't Sukkot in the spring? God did not command us to build a sukkah at that time of year. Interesting reason why. Because that's the summertime. Everybody, it wouldn't be clear that the reason we were doing it was because it's a mitzvah because it was God's mitzvah. Rather, people would assume we're sitting in huts because which is traditionally the time of the beginning of rain. Oh, may it come upon us soon. And that's exactly the time that people would have been leaving their outdoor huts with 
shade and going inside their homes, and therefore we dafka, according to the Torah, leave our homes. We leave our homes, to sit in the sukkah. It'll be clear that the only reason we're doing this silly thing of leaving our very comfortable homes and going outside is because God commanded us to do it. Okay. That's the tour's opening kind of bid on why on what Sukkot's all about. Given the first organized manual after the Rambam's uh, Yad HaZakah, Mishnah Torah, what kind of question might you ask on this text if you were the kind of person to offer a commentary on the tour? What stands out to you as strange a little bit? He sounds like a what? He's a midrashist. He's giving a sermon. He's talking about faith in God, and this is what proves the existence of of, of God because of the Exodus story, it's a little strange whenever someone who, who 99.99% of his words are telling you specifically how to do it, that he departs from his norm and says, I want to tell you the underlying value here. I want to link your observance of these vote with a theology that helps you understand why God is the creator of the universe. He doesn't do that elsewhere for the most part. Why does he do it here? Is he departing from his norm? Or is this in some way not a departure from his norm, and we're supposed to learn something about the halachic observance of Sukkot that actually relates to intent and relates to our understanding of why God commanded us to do it? Look at the next source. This is the Bach, a short for the Bayit Chadash, right? So the Tua wrote the four columns and commentaries on that are kind of puns on that. So the Bayit Chadash wrote the, the new house that is being built over the four columns. Rabbi Yol Serki, 16th, 17th century Krakow. He's buried in the same cemetery as Rabbi Moshe Israelis in that old synagogue in Krakow. Look what he says. Basukot teshvu, etc. So he quotes the same verse, you should sit in the sukkah seven days. And then he quotes the Torah, talah hakatuv, meaning I'm commenting on this line from the Torah that said that the verse linked sitting in the sukkah with Exodus from Egypt. It's possible if you do a close reading of our teacher, our teacher meaning the Torah, this is not the way he normally does things. To give some kind of a midrashic, intentional interpretation of a verse in the Torah. He's not a sermonizer. In this book, he might have been interested in it, but in this book, he's not giving divrei Torah. He's telling you how to observe the holiday. His only job in this book is to tell you what to do by law or by custom. But here he spends a lot of time. I mean, for him, it's a lot of time. Seven, eight, ten lines. Doing explication, illumination. Vilidrosh, to do a midrash. Hamikra, on the verse. Hey, Tor, don't you know that this is not a book of midrash? This is the book of halacha. Why are you doing it? Vilidrosh, the Bach says, it seems to me, Lomar. Lomar was to say about this. Shesover, that the Torah believes. Dekevan dechtiv laman yedu. Because the verse itself said, why should you build Sukkot? So that future generations will know the story, etc. Lo kiyam ha-mitzvah ketikuna im lo yada kavanat mitzvah ha-sukkah kefi pashta. The Bach is saying, the Torah is not the depart- general. You don't actually count to God when you put on tefillin in the morning. If you just put it on properly and say the bracha, according to the halachic system, you're yotze. You've done what you've been obligated to do. Have you missed out on a chance to deepen your relationship with the tradition? Maybe. But there's no foul, no harm. Nothing is lacking. 
The Bach says, the Torah says, maybe what's different about this, of the intent, kavanat mitzvah tasuka, of the original intent of this law, kafi pashta, according to its simple meaning. Ulichain, bi'er lefi hapshat. Therefore, he went to the pshat of the verse. Di ikara kavanah bishivat hasuka, that the main intent of sitting in a sukkah, sheyizkor yitziat mitzrayim, that you should leave, that you should remember leaving Egypt. Then he goes on to say that the Torah does something similar to this in only a few other places when it comes to the mitzvah of tzitzit and the mitzvah of tefillin. And he says that the reason is because those are also placed in the Torah where the Torah seems to link the observance with the rationale behind it. Skip it a, a few lines. Um, kind of like 10 lines down the middle. In general, the Torah does not say you have to have intentional kavanah. I know that's a redundancy. Specific kavanah when you do a mitzvah. If you did the halacha, the, the way you're supposed to do it, you've completed your obligation. But you fulfilled your obligation. But when it comes to tzitzit, where the Torah says, in order that you remember, and tefillin, where it says, lamantia Torah Hashem Beficha, and with tefillin, where the Torah says, we should do this so that God's Torah is on your mouth, it seems to be according to the Torah, at least according to the Bach's interpretation of the Torah, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah if you've not thought of it. Therefore the Torah writes in our laws, etc., that you should have intent. Um, last few lines that you must have kavana in the moment that you are dwelling in the sukkah so according to this interpretation the Torah is saying that the mitzvah that we're about to do in a few minutes after we go into the sukkah is a harder mitzvah to perform than mitzvah that seem harder right? why is it harder? because you have to think why is it harder? because it's not enough to say the blessing put your took us in a chair and say, look, I've dwelled in a sukkah. If you have not thought about why you are dwelling in a sukkah, this might say that halachically, not mystically, not, not um, on some midrash. Now, we have to know why we are fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah. We actually have to go into the question of what is the actual answer to the question of why we're supposed to fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah, because even that is fraught in textual controversy. So look at... Um, where did I go here? The back of that page? Yeah. Here. That is the source of a lot of commentary in the halachic works. Masechet Sukkah, Tractate Sukkah, makes sense, page 11. We have a brighta, meaning we have a, a text from the earlier Tanaitic era, from the era between about 70 to 200, brought in in the later section of the Gemara. Uh, as an authoritative text. Detanya, the Brighta says, Ki Sukkot hoshavti et b'nei Yisrael. The Brighta is quoting a different verse about Sukkot that says that because on Sukkot, uh, sorry, in Sukkot, in booths, I, Rabbi Eliezer said, what are these Sukkot to which the reverse refers? Rabbi Eliezer says it's not a booth. It's God's divine glory, that um, intangible protection that God had with us throughout our time in the desert. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, no, Sukkot mamasha sulehem. They actually made Sukkot. This is an unresolved machloket. Are we supposed to remind us of the metaphysical presence of God who protects us 
not because of some formal, tangible barrier between us and the elements, but because that's how we know that we are not alone in the universe. The Talmud does not resolve the issue. If the tour is right, that we have to know why we're sitting in the sukkah to fulfill the obligation of sukkah, then which way we resolve this machloket becomes not only significant as a... But to raise a hav, one of the class... Luke, there is a... These two rabbis, to the Rabbi Akiva, according to Rabbi Akiva, who said, what's going on here is that we're commemorating actual booths. Ein revuta b'otan hasukot. There's nothing that's so extraordinary or special about those booths. If what we're remembering are booths that are simply structures, why are we being asked to remember when we sit in the sukkah? According to this reading, reading Rabbi Akiva is saying, it's not the booths that you're remembering. The booth for the booths, again, the next time we are in national calamity. That, according to the Rabbi Akivan position, is what we're supposed to be thinking about. Save us. Aval Rabbi Eliezer, but according to Rabbi Eliezer, according to Rabbi Eliezer, when you're, you're looking up, you're saying the schach reminds me of God's sheltering presence that I experience at all time. It doesn't commemorate a day. It doesn't commemorate a moment or an event. As if God's fundament is imminent, right nearby. God, it's a very different way of understanding Sukkot. And if we go back to the original text, if the tour is right, or if the Bach's commentary on the tour is right, if we're not thinking about either of these, no matter how many meals you have in the Sukkah, how much you sleep in there overnight with your children, how many guests you bring in and say the appropriate blessings, fundamentals of it. The rabbis of the Talmud did not resolve this conflict, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Eliezer, and we're not here to resolve it either, right? I, I don't know which one was right, neither did the rabbis of the Talmud. But I would like us to consider that the next time we go into the sukkah, whether 15 minutes from now or later on in our homes or next year. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.